0: Well, good morning, fellowship Fayetteville. So glad you're here this morning. If you wouldn't mind, if you stand with us. We're going to celebrate our risen king this morning. Welcome. Glad you're here. Let's sing.
1: The bread, master.
2: Whether you came with a friend, uh, whether you got lost on the way in in the rain, or uh, whatever brought you here, we're really glad that you guys are here with us. My name's Josh. I work with our student ministry. Normally, we're next door right now, um, but we are here with you guys today, and we're so excited for the opportunity to worship with you today. If you're new, uh, scan this QR code. We'd love to get you connected with resources at Fellowship. We'd love to answer some questions. I uh, would just love to meet you. Uh, we also have people in the booth after service if you'd like to meet them that way as well. Well, we, uh, while we're here, we want to give you guys some student ministry announcements. One, I'd love to introduce you guys to our team at FSM. Uh, We have three people on this team. One is me. My name is Josh. I I work with the the boys at FSM 7th through 12th grade. Uh, Also on our team is Caroline right beside me. You'll see her later when she reads the scripture. She works with our 7th through 12th grade girls. And here on my left and also on the screen right there, uh, that's Isaiah. Uh, He's our really awesome worship leader and he works to um, coordinate our services, but also works, does a lot of discipleship with students in the area. Uh, We have a lot of summer updates and things going on at FSM1. This past summer was incredible. We had really awesome opportunities uh, just for discipleship through our Antioch program and through our our city groups. And we're ready for the fall. This fall, we'll have a lot of offerings for 7th through 12th grade students. Our 9 o'clock service is our 7th through 8th grade service. So if you have a 7th through 8th grader, or if you know 7th through 8th graders, we want them to come join us for worship. We're usually walking through the same series in here that you guys are doing, uh, the same series in there that you guys are walking through in here, and we'd love to invite your students for worship with that. Our 10:45 service, starting next week, is our 9th through 12th grade service. And so please come join us on a Sunday morning. Uh, we're about to kick off, so we do our Sunday morning expression, but our, one of our favorite things we do here at Fellowship is our cell groups. And those start uh, this month. It's crazy to believe it's August. But we start that off with our Samaritan Snack Pack. That's going to be um, not this coming Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. We'll have all of our cell groups meet here, and we'll do a, a Samaritan Snack Pack. Uh, Samaritan is a community partner. They they allow they, or they put together thousands and thousands of snacks for weekends for kids all over the area. And so if you'd love to donate, we, we have a QR code for you to send money to donate to Samaritan Shop. Uh, but they're an awesome partner that we get to partner with. This night, we'll be uh, packing a lot of snacks, but we'll also have an opportunity for seventh grade parents, if your kid is about to walk into FSM, if you're worried, if you have questions about that, we'll have an opportunity um, for us to do some uh, Q&A to answer some questions and set some some expectations for the fall. So uh, if you want to join us for that, that'll be next Wednesday, and that'll be here on campus. Uh, Also coming up, we have Fall Retreat, which is one of our favorite things of the year. We're so excited. Labor Day weekend, seventh through 12th grade, Um, we'll all be heading to Sky Ranch in Cave Springs, Oklahoma. And so if your student has not signed up, one, we've been announcing it, but I know they didn't tell you. Um, The QR code is right here, and we can cut the middleman and make sure your kids get signed up. So a uh, fall retreat is coming up, and we're really excited about that. The deadline to sign up is August 23rd, so don't miss out on that. Um, and with that said, you heard 1045 service, and I know you're 9 a.m. service people, and so you're not worried about that. But if you ever find yourself tra- running late, um, we are moving our 1030 service to 1045 uh, starting next week, uh, just to help alleviate some of the, the traffic in and out and the flow. And so we're excited for that. Uh, but speaking of things coming up, the fall launch and everything, um, we will be having in a couple of weeks our Eastside Family Services, August 20th and 27th. In the fall here at Fellowship, we like to recast vision of what we're hoping to do as a church, what we're hoping to see God do in Northwest Arkansas and the world. And so we will have two Eastside Services, Family Services for Adults, at the Hills School on Crossover Road. So uh, if you, and we've got that broken down, so the, the nine o'clock service for that will be families in the Butterfield and Root, Nasbell and, and Leverett school districts. The 1045 service will be for East Springdale, North, South, Vandergrift, Happy Hollow, and Washington and Elkins. So please join us for that, it'll be family services. We're really excited for that, just for the opportunity to cast vision uh, and talk about what we're hoping to see God do. But With that said, we are here gathered today um, to worship the Lord. Um, and to continue that. August is a really fun time here at fellowship. The student ministries, the children's ministries, the family ministries, there's so much going on. Uh, But today we're really excited to be uh, gathered with you here in community. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take a moment and pray for us and invite us in this worship time. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, for your great love for us, for your care for us, uh, and for inviting us into a relationship with you pray, Lord, that wherever we're at today, if we've experienced a lot of highs this week or lows this week, that we would recognize um, your presence here. Lord, would you meet us here today and help us to see the work that you've done in our lives and the work that you're continuing to do. Let us see you clearly for who you are, and please transform and make us the people you've called us to be here in Northwest Arkansas. We love you and thank you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, good morning. How are we this morning? Good, good. It's not 100 degrees today. It's good. Yeah. I like that. Um, so one of my favorite books of the Bible is the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And what the book of Revelation does is it's loaded with, uh, with symbols and pictures, trying to describe what's really hard to describe. And one of the things that makes the book of Revelation so fascinating is the action of the book, so much of the action, especially early on, it's centers around the heavenly throne and the the person sitting on the throne. And what's really surprising about what happens as the book of Revelation unfolds is the action is, is geared toward the throne and the one sitting on it. But then an announcement goes out. There's a scroll, and the scroll has seals, and it's not possible for anyone to open it. And we hear of one of the figures say, can anyone open the scroll? Is anyone worthy to open the scroll? And no one is found. And our author, is, he's broken down because of this knowledge. But then what we see as the book of Revelation unfolds is he hears an announcement. No, here, the lion, we just sang the words, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is worthy. But as our author turns and sees, he doesn't see a lion, instead he sees a slain lamb. And it gives this amazing picture of the way that our king, has conquered, the way that our king has won the victory. The powerful lion becomes the slain lamb, and in so doing, he rescues people from every tribe and tongue and nation from all over the world for his glory and his honor. And all the action is pointed toward that throne. And so I'm just gonna invite you this morning, we're gonna gonna allow ourselves to be reoriented back to the throne, to be reoriented to Jesus, the slain lamb as our king, the lion who is the lamb. And so I'm just gonna invite you, this is an old song, if you know the song, then you might even just close your eyes and sing it, if not, the words will be on the screen. But let's join with the congregation around the throne in Revelation, in laying our crowns, our honor, our glory before the throne, because he alone is worthy. Shall we? So you just remain seated, we're just gonna sing these these old words together as we humbly acknowledge Jesus as our King.
3: And we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of your mercy and love at the feet of Jesus and we cry holy, holy, holy and we cry holy, holy, holy and we cry holy, holy, holy
0: holy is the Lord. Sing those words again, thinking about these words as we sing, we fall down and we fall down, we lay our crowns
3: at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of your mercy and love. At the feet of Jesus, and we cry, Holy holy. Holy, and we cry holy holy, 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 and we cry holy, holy, holy. holy
0: is the Lord. Humbly together let's confess, uh, as a body we confess before our heavenly Father, we confess out loud together. So join me, heavenly Father, Have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior. But the lion who conquers through a cross, the lamb who was slain, Is enacted good news for us and so church believe that good news let's say it together Jesus died died for for us Jesus rose for us Jesus intercedes for us in In him we are a new creation in in him we have forgiveness forgiveness of sin In in him we have a Savior to God be the glory forever and ever amen and in celebration of that good news we get to partake in an ancient practice Handed down to us uh, through the centuries of the church in the celebration of baptism. And so, Clark, take it away.
4: Well, good morning, church family. And Garland, we are in a holy moment here as we have Miss Megan McCollum, and she has set her heart aside for Jesus to be the king of it this morning. She wanted her church family to know that. And I wanted to encourage you, um, it seems like we're up here a lot um, celebrating life change. And so um, I started just reviewing what God's been doing this last year. And Megan, you're one of 42 people who have been baptized this year. And, and get this, ages 6 to 70. And I, I thought to myself, only God can do that across all generations, people bending their knee to Jesus. And so she wanted to invite you into that moment for her. And we visited last week and a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, as we were working through 1 Peter together as a church she said that the gospel became clear to her, and it made sense. And I thought, you know, Megan, you now own the gospel. And I thought, no, the, the gospel owns you, and Jesus now owns your heart, and we want to celebrate that with you. Mm-hmm. And so is it's your testimony to your family of faith that you put your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins, and you believe in him, that he's given you eternal life through his resurrection. Yeah. Well, based on that profession, we want to celebrate that with you. I want to baptize you, my sister, in Christ, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Aaron, Kelly, we've got all kinds of kiddos here to join us. Oh, yeah. Oh,
5: yeah. So there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. So, yeah, stand on that one right there, buddy. Right there. All right, look that way. So it's super exciting um, every time a kid gets baptized. I love it so much. Uh, but today I'm, a little, I'm excited in a little different way. This is my son Caleb, and I get to baptize him. He's a follower of Jesus. And as I look at y'all, I'm honestly overwhelmed with emotion because um, baptism is him proclaiming his faith to you guys as the church here in Fayetteville, And many of y'all have played a role in discipling him and showing him what it means to love Jesus more. So this baptism is about Caleb and his faith, but it's also about the body of Christ here. And as y'all have gathered around him and you've discipled him and you've showed him what it means to follow Jesus. I see a small group over here, his leaders who have poured into him and shown him what it means to follow Jesus. Caleb's name means wholehearted, and that is If you know Caleb, that is him. He is wholehearted in everything he does and even his faith. Uh, He he loves reading God's word and he loves Jesus. And so he's here to show that to y'all. So Caleb, you're telling me and all of these people that you are a follower of Jesus and you wanna be obedient to him by being baptized here today. Well, hey, let me pray for you. Jesus, we're so grateful for Caleb. We're grateful for the way that you have made him, God, the faith that you have given him, the way he loves you. And so, God, I pray that you would use him to tell others about you. And God, I'm excited to stand in heaven one day with those who are there because of the heart that you've given Caleb for people, the tender heart and love he has for others. And so, God, we're grateful for his faith. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Well, it's my honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. And this is David. Oop, the water's deep enough, he almost baptized himself. All right, turn around, buddy. (laughs) So this is another one of my sons, David. And David, um, is he he loves Jesus. And amazing thing about these two getting baptized together is Caleb was the one who was talking to David and he was telling him about what it means to follow Jesus. And he encouraged him to come to know Christ at the Dairy Queen in Farmington. So that's a very special place for our family. Um, And so we're all sitting there and Caleb was like, hey, David just became a Christian. And I was like, that's amazing. And so we're all talking through it. And so David um, has a very tender heart um, for other people and he has a heart of worship that God has placed within him. He's always singing and, and loving Jesus through his worship. And so he's a follower of Christ. So David, you're telling me and all of these people that you are a follower of Jesus and you wanna be obedient to him by being baptized here today. Well, hey, let me pray for you, Dave. Jesus, I'm so grateful for David. I'm grateful for the way that you've created him and the way that he loves you, that he can't help but sing from the joy that you've placed in his heart, and I'm grateful that he's chosen to follow you. And so, Father, may he continue that all the rest of his life. We love you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Well, it's my honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life.
0: Well, that's awesome would y'all stand with us let's continue to sing
3: Is He worthy, is He worthy Of all blessing and honor and glory? And is He worthy of the Is the Father true and loving Side by side, forever those who love. He does. Does our God intend to dwell again? with you? He does. Is anyone way. Is anyone
6: holy? Is anyone able to pray?
3: in the scroll the lion of Judah
6: the conqueror in the grave he's David's will in the land who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe for every nation and time he's made us the King of the priest of God to reign with the son Is he worthy, is he worthy Of
3: all blessing and honor and glory Is he worthy, is he worthy Is he worthy of We declare this together
7: And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
8: Well, thank you Caroline for sharing the passage. I love having our FSM team with us in here this morning. I'm a huge fan of our student ministry team. I'm a huge fan of our student ministry. I've seen the difference that our student ministry made in my own kids' life and that's what I want for your kids as well. There we go. This week it wasn't my fault. By the way, we don't normally teach. This isn't in my notes, but we don't normally teach uh, 2 weeks in a row. So For those of you who said to your friend, come back next week, it'll be better. I apologize. (laughs) Well, hey, my name's Michael. I serve on the community team here. And this morning, we're continuing in the book of 1 Peter. And so if you've got your Bible or your digital device, go ahead and turn there with me. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter five. Those of you who haven't been with us much this summer, 1 Peter can be hard to find. Just go to the end of your Bible, start flipping toward the front. You'll hit it pretty quickly. But for those of you who have been with us, Those of you who've been here, you might have noticed that what Caroline read felt a little different than everything else we've read so far this summer, and I think it's because Peter says, I, I exhort. I think it's the first time in the letter that he's used the first person singular. He said we, he said us, but in our passage this morning, he says I. So all of a sudden, it gets really personal, and it reminds us, this was written by a person. Now, yes, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit at fellowship. We hold to what we call inerrancy, that every word of the original text was inspired by God. It's the very words of God. But God, as he so often does, used people to write the scripture. So he used a man who has a personality, who has A vocabulary who has experiences to record the words of God. And sometimes knowing about that man helps us understand the writing even better. Knowing that Luke was a physician helps us read his books. Knowing that Paul was trained as a Pharisee. Knowing that Matthew was a tax collector. It helps us unpack what they're writing. Which brings us to the question, who is Simon Peter? Y'all recognize him? Yeah, that's the only known photograph of the Apostle Peter. (laughs) No, of course, that's Shahar Isaac. He plays Peter on The Chosen. Anybody watching The Chosen? Yeah. Oh, Lee and I love it. We love it. Now, I know some of y'all probably have some qualms with The Chosen. You have some theological quibbles, the way they're presenting the material. And I want to encourage you, write those down and send them to Garland. He would love to have that conversation. I actually do have a complaint with The Chosen myself. And my complaint is, I think I'm allergic to it because every episode I seem like my eyes just start watering really bad, especially when Jesus does something awesome at the end. Enough about The Chosen. Let's talk about Peter. He grew up in a small town on the Sea of Galilee. He and his brother had two partners and they had a fishing business together. And one day, an itinerant rabbi stepped into Peter's boat And everything changed for him. Everything. Even his name. His mama called him Simon. But Jesus said, I'm going to call you Peter. Which means rock. And sometimes as we read through the Gospels, it seems like an ironic nickname. Like when a great big guy is called Tiny. Like Peter seems like anything but a rock. Now we all love to say, oh, I can relate to Peter. And he does have a bad case of foot and mouth disease. It seems like Peter always... Acts when he should hold back. He speaks up when he should be quiet. Again and again in the Gospels, we see him doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing. And it all builds up to the night when Jesus would be arrested. See, that very night, Peter had been a big talker. He had been what my friend Sam Hannon calls gator-mouthing. While everybody else was afraid, Peter was talking tough. He said, I will never fall away and Jesus famously said to him before the rooster crows you'll deny me three times and Peter doubled down he said even if I have to die I will never deny you well of course we all remember what happened Jesus was betrayed and arrested and when Peter was confronted he said I don't even know the guy a second time somebody said you're with him Peter said no And about an hour after that, a third time, somebody said, surely this guy was with him. He's also a Galilean. Look how Luke records it. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine? And Peter remembered the Lord saying to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. Think about what that must have been like. Jesus had changed everything for Peter. And he wasn't just Peter's master. He was his best friend. And Peter had said, there is nothing that will make me deny you. But then, imagine it. When the chips were down, he folded. And just as he heard the rooster crowing, he turned and Jesus was looking him right in the eye. Peter wept bitterly. Because I'm sure there was just one thing ringing in his mind. Failure. It's all been for nothing. When it mattered most, you failed. And when he woke up on Saturday morning, Jesus was dead. That's an experience nobody would ever forget. But of course on Sunday, he had an encounter with the risen Lord. And not long after that, he would find himself back in Galilee, back in that same boat where it had all started. And Jesus appeared again. And after cooking him a breakfast of fish on the beach, he would have another significant conversation with Peter. It's in John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. feed my sheep. Three denials, three gracious restorations. And in that moment, Peter affirmed that Peter was the rock. And the Peter we see in Acts is very different. He's articulate, he's confident, fearless even, but he's also compassionate and kind He becomes one of the primary leaders of the early church in Jerusalem. He becomes the first missionary to the Gentiles. And now, decades later, that's the Peter that's writing this letter. He's writing this letter to these little churches scattered across the province of Asia, what we call Turkey, and he's exhorting them. When things get hard, keep following Jesus. And so I want us to notice today in our passage how Peter describes himself. He says, as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that's to be revealed. That's who's writing our letter. Not the brash young follower of Jesus who talked big but stumbled when things got hard. No, look who Peter says he is now. He's a fellow elder, a witness, and a partaker of glory. You pick the humility up right off the bat. I mean, Peter could come in and say, Listen, all you youngsters out there, I was doing this thing when you were learning your ABCs. He could say, You know, I'm the guy that preached the very first sermon in the whole history of the church and 5,000 people came to Christ. But he doesn't say anything like that. He says, I am a fellow elder. Elders, I'm doing what you're doing, I'm with you. Then he reminds them he was a witness. Of the sufferings of Christ. Now, we don't know for sure if Peter was there when Christ was crucified. None of the Gospels tell us that. But we do know he saw Jesus suffer. He saw Jesus be rejected by his own hometown. He saw Jesus go up on a mountain to be alone and pray after a lot of his followers deserted him. He saw Jesus when he was tired and hungry, continuing to pour himself out into the masses of people who came to be healed. And we know he saw Jesus praying in agony in the garden the night he was betrayed. And we know he saw him handed over and given a death sentence. So whether or not he saw Jesus on the cross, he definitely saw him suffer. And his point here is that he's a trustworthy witness. Now, most of us think that Peter shared what he saw with Mark. And Mark wrote all that down in the gospel that bears his name. And now we are just like these elders in Asia. We are relying on those witnesses preserved by God's grace through the Holy Spirit in the four Gospels. They're the ones who wrote the New Testament. And just like he's done through the whole letter, Peter looks ahead. He tells them his present, he reminds them of his past, but then he looks to the future. Someday I'll partake in the glory that's gonna be revealed. Now last week, We noted how suffering and glory are often linked in Peter's letter. We put boxes around them. So for you visual learners, if you want to do that again this morning, it's right here again. Suffering and glory. Put a box around them. For Peter, they're inseparable. And this self-description of Peter is actually folded into the middle of an exhortation. I exhort the elders, shepherd the flock. Remember his encounter with the risen Jesus. Take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Now, Peter's telling these elders to do the exact same thing. Shepherd the flock, tend the sheep, do for the people God's given you what Jesus commissioned me to do, Peter says. And then he's gonna tell them how he wants them to do it. He says, elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over them in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Again, in this verse, Peter's using his favorite rhetorical device, a set of contrasts. Look how nicely they line up. Not this, but that. Not under compulsion, but willingly. We don't want elders who feel like they got drafted. I bet there's a bunch of you in this room who got on a committee or something in your kid's school and you look up and you're like, how did I get here? Did I sign up for this? By the way, dads, husbands, let me give you a tip. If you got kids in school, you're about to go to like a welcome night thing, do not sign your wife up for anything she didn't tell you to. Don't ask me how I learned that. (laughs) Lee's laughing louder than anybody. We want elders who were eager, willing, not people who feel like they got roped into it. And then he says, not for shameful gain, not motivated by some kind of gain, financial or otherwise. Maybe elders would be compensated by the church. Just to be clear, we don't compensate our elders at fellowship. But if that was the case... Peter says, that shouldn't be your motivation, nor should being seen as a leader or making connections or networking. Peter says, don't be in this, elders, for something you can get out of it, but be eager to serve. And lastly, he says, not domineering, but as examples. And this is key for the whole text, leading by example. You know, it's interesting to me, about 25 years or so ago, there was this new buzz in the leadership world. All these books were coming out with this new idea, servant leadership. I looked on Amazon this week. They have 2,000 books in their servant leadership category. And once again, it was an example of the broader culture finding something new that Jesus talked about 2,000 years ago. Here, Peter's just echoing what he heard Jesus say with his own ears. You note takers, jot down this cross-reference. Mark 10 42 through 45, it's the gold standard passage for what Christian leadership should look like. And remember, Mark is writing down, we think, what he heard from Peter, Peter's recollections of what he heard from Jesus. By the way, keep this between us. Don't tell anybody I told you. Next year, we're going to study Mark. Okay, shh, Secret. Look what Jesus says about leadership in Mark chapter 10. Jesus called them to him and he said to them, that's the disciples, including Peter, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first... Must be slave of all. Here's the key. This is the verse to memorize Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, You want to lead? Be humble. Be a servant. Put the needs of others before your own, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus humbled himself and served even to the point of death. And guess what? Peter's going to remind us. This same Jesus, he's coming back. Verse 4 in our passage. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter says, elders, you're shepherds, but you're not the chief shepherd. Elders, ultimately, this flock that you're responsible for before the Lord doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. And he's coming back. And when he does, he's bringing a reward for those who shepherd the flock willingly, eagerly, and as examples of Christian humility and service. And he says this reward, it's unfading. See, everything the world can give us, everything we can accrue in this world, is gonna rust, break, and eventually disintegrate. But the reward Jesus gives is everlasting. And I think when we think of a crown, we think of that five-pound hunk of gold they put on King Charles's head a few weeks ago. I don't think that's what Peter has pictured here. I think he's picturing the laurel wreath of the victor. The winner of the ancient games would have a crown placed on their head with bright flowers, flowers that it took a long time for them to fade. But Peter says, unlike those crowns, that will eventually fade and disintegrate. The reward of victory that Jesus brings lasts forever. And Before we move on from this, I want to take just a moment, and I want us to just take a quick look at the words Peter uses. He uses the same three words that are almost always used in the New Testament when it talks about church leadership. The first one is presbyteroi, which is almost always translated elder, And the second one is episcopaeo. Now, Peter's using the verb form, but that's the word. And it means oversight. And then the last one is poimano, which means shepherd. Now, I know y'all aren't like, yes, yes, give us more Greek. But there's a couple things I want you to see here. One is, just kind of interesting, there's a couple of names of denominations hidden in there. You see Presbyterian and Episcopal? It's kind of interesting. But here's what I really want us to see. From the earliest days, the Christian church had elders. And the function of those elders was to oversee and shepherd the flock. Now that word, episcopal, oversight, it became bishop. But that was a later development in the history of the church. From the start, the elders were called to be overseers and shepherds. If we turn to Acts 20, that's another one for you to jot down. Acts chapter 20. What we'll see there is another biblical author, Paul, writing to a different church, Ephesus, and in verses 17 and 28, he uses these exact same words. He says, Ephesian elders, exercise oversight as you shepherd the flock. So don't let the Greek throw you off. What I want you to see is that it's pretty clear. New Testament churches had elders who acted as overseers, and, shepherds. and so that's the big idea of our passage. Elders are called to oversee and shepherd the church boldly as humble servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is himself the chief shepherd. Elders are called to oversee and shepherd the church body as humble servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself is the chief shepherd. So what does this look like at fellowship? How do we take this idea and bring it into the 21st century? Well, last week, I sat down with three of our elders, the three who live and worship right here in the Fayetteville area. And I asked them this very question. Let's watch this together. And Brian
9: Denman, uh, my wife Megan and I have attended fellowship for about 13, almost 14 years now.
10: We have three kids, Sage, Hattie, and Crew. My name is Joe Ross, and I'm married to Catherine, and we have four children, uh, seven grandchildren, and we've been coming to fellowship about eight or nine years, uh, most all of it here in
11: Fayetteville. My name is Michael Collier. I am uh, married to Mandy. I have two kids, Matthias and Michaela, and we live in Farmington. Um, Been going to fellowship for 20 plus years now.
10: As an elder board, I think we're primarily uh, tasked with sustaining the mission of the church. It's to uh, produce and release uh, biblical leaders who know and uh, express the authentic Christ uh, to Northwest Arkansas and then the uh, whole world.
11: A couple of years ago was asked to be a shepherd um, in the community ministry um, and it's been uh, interesting. It's it's something that I look forward to. I meet with uh, mostly men. Um, caring for them and, and seeing where they are in their families and their workplaces and the struggles that they're going through, um, trying to help uh, community group leaders and parish leaders navigate the ups and downs of life.
9: Community ministry is something that's dear to us of whenever we're involved with other people that are like-minded and, and similar stage of life and live in a similar area and just being able to dive deep with them and those couples, we, we tell them No matter who's in our community group we say you're like our family and we really treat them like family and we go deep with them and that's who we're talking to and texting and and just keeping up with really and and it's similar uh, whenever we've been involved with Fayette kids and being there and being able to be involved with those teachers and their lives and getting to know them and even the staff that's serving serving the kids in that area the classes that we've been able to have the opportunity to lead and and just it's just getting to know those people and and meeting them where they are and sometimes it leads to hey let's get coffee and go a little deeper and talk about your your walk and your story and the struggles and um, hangups and habits that you have that we need to we we can
10: we can talk through and work towards we have our elder board meetings uh, and they are uh, they're great Uh, the folks are welcoming Uh, to be honest i was kind of nervous when i joined the board but the the people are just normal people, uh, welcoming, gracious, uh, humble. And uh, we, we talk about the business of the church, but then we leave the elder boards and then we are part of the church. And I know uh, some of the other fellows here are community leaders, but uh, that's how I get to leave the elder board and actually uh, serve and uh, something I truly
11: enjoy. So far, what I've seen, it, it is a group of men who love the Lord. Who love Jesus um, are open even to somebody as new as I am to the board uh, questioning things um, the discussions are really good uh, nobody is the, nobody is 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 egotistical or prideful in terms of mm-hmm. ideas that they bring uh, if, if somebody wants to poke holes in something people are open to that
10: We do spend a good bit of time in prayer. We're blessed to be able to pray for folks uh, that are having issues. Um, But uh, the business we do has been eye-opening for me in that uh, sometimes it's doctrinal, uh, things that we need to discuss. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just operation of the church. But the thing that's uh, astounding to me, uh, and you have to have humble people for this, is all decisions that we make have 100% agreement. Mm -hmm. And so if we can't come to that, and those decisions are not made. And it uh, creates an atmosphere of, again, humility uh, and camaraderie, uh, just trying to do the Lord's work uh, the best we can.
8: Well, you heard it from them. Humility, service. It's not about domineering. It's not about an agenda. In short, it's not about power. It's about humbly serving, praying, and listening and then leading. And so you might be wondering, well, how does this apply to us? What's the application for all of us who aren't elders? Well, look at our last verse, verse 5. He says, likewise, or in the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In this context, when Peter says, you who are younger, he doesn't mean chronological age. He means all of you who are not presbyteroi, elders. He's talking to all the rest of us, and he's saying, if you're not an elder, be humble enough to be subject to them. In our language, we might say, to come willingly under their leadership. And then he makes this sweeping statement. He says, put on humility, All of you, elders and non-elders alike. It has this idea of putting on humility like it's your favorite comfortable sweatshirt. Be comfortable putting the needs of others first. Be comfortable deferring to somebody else. And then he reminds us, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's the, the rare verse that appears three times in our Bible Peter uses it here, but it's also in the book of James. And both of them are quoting from the Old Testament book of Proverbs. God has always opposed those who are prideful. Those who say, I'm going to do it my way. Those who want to do things on their own terms. But he's also always shown grace, unmerited favor to those who are humble. And so it's humility that informs not just how we lead, but how we follow. C.S. Lewis, the great 20th century writer and thinker, he said this, authority, exercised with humility, and obedience accepted with delight are the very lines along which our spirits live. So in our own lives, wherever we have authority, like the elders, the elders have spiritual authority. We exercise it humbly, as servants, just like Jesus said in Mark 10. And when we're called to follow that authority, we accept that role as well, not grudgingly, not gritting our teeth and grumbling about it, but with delight, Lewis says, because that's when we come alive spiritually, not fighting and rebelling and resisting, but in humility, serving. And like everything else in our Christian lives, it all rests on the gospel. Humility in the gospel allows us to lead and to follow. You heard the gospel message in the passage from Mark. Even the son of man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life for me and for you. And in doing so, he freed us from the curse of sin and death. But he also freed us from having to prove anything. He freed us from having to promote ourselves. He freed us from feeling the need to put ourselves first. The gospel liberates us from having to prove we're good enough, smart enough, spiritual enough. We don't have to prove it because Jesus proved it for us. And now he calls on us to just... Rest in that truth. And then he, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will give us the grace to be humble. And then when we're called to lead, we can lead with humility. Servant leaders. And when we're called to follow, we can follow with humility. Ready to place ourselves under the godly rule of the shepherds, the elders that God's given our church. Because in the end, It's not about us. It's not about the elders. It's about him. It's about the chief shepherd because we know he's going to lovingly care for his sheep. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you for these instructions that you've given us from your word. And I pray, Lord, for our elders. I pray for the men that you've called to lead us and shepherd us. I pray you'd give them wisdom insight and humility but Lord I pray for all of us that you'd give us the grace of humility to follow well because Lord none of us can naturally do that our own so Lord we look to you we depend on you
0: Stand with us. Let's sing together.
1: and i, I depend on
0: To our King,
3: and all glory be to Christ, our King. All glory be to Christ, His rule and reign
0: will ever Sing, all glory. sing it again. The glory is for Him, not to us. Sing it again and all Lord. Father, we thank you that in your kingdom, the king who reigns on the throne is the lamb, who is the lion, the one who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Our chief shepherd has already shown us what this kingdom looks like and help us this day to model that in our interactions with people around us, the people that don't know you around us. Jesus, there's no one like you There's no king like you, there's no ruler like you, there's no shepherd like you. So we fix our eyes on you this day because you are worthy of all the glory and the honor and the praise. We love you, Jesus. We devote ourselves to you. We pray this in your name as our king. Amen. Fellowship Fable, we love you. If you need prayer, right through those doors. We'd love to pray with you. Next week, 1045, so get ready. See y'all, have a good week.